This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Well, honey, another day and another sleigh and welcome back to another Let's Go There show with Ryan and guess who's back? Shira Lazar's here. I'm, yes, I'm here. I am alive. Things are good. <laughs> I can't believe I, I, I said yes to doing the show today. I was excited No one to get pressured back. you. No one wanted no one, you back. No one. Not yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. No one pressured me. I somehow decided to do this. It's weird because when you have COVID, there are hours that you feel on it and you're like, you get your energy back. And then an hour later, you're like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. So what you're saying is right now you're good, but then you'll be dead by next hour. <laughs> No, I mean, when I made the decision, I was in that uh, transition. No, but it, it's been a, it's amazing to be back yeah. today. And I want to say thank you for holding down the fort over there while I've been recovering. It's well, definitely of course. Been you know, that's what teamwork make the dream work. That's what that is all about. And honestly, we just want you to feel better and get all the rest that you need instead of you pushing it like the workaholic you are. Yes. Uh, <laughs> word of advice. Don't be a workaholic. Okay, so yeah, now we got a lot of show uh, today, of course. We got so much to unpack where we're talking religion. We're actually talking about the Mm -hmm. uh, pastor from HBO Max's We're Here. And of course, this hour, we are talking all things about, ooh, there's there's companies everywhere. They're giving the biggest raises of the decade. I want to hear about this. I don't know if that's really going to happen, but whatever. We'll see, you know. But what's happening in the top of the hour news? Let's just dive into the show. You ready? What's trending this hour right now? Lots happening. Disney and 20th Century's West Side Story director Steven Spielberg's adaptation of the classic musical. Guess what? This isn't surprising, though. It's been banned in Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Bahrain, Kuwait. Um, In some cases, like Saudi Arabia and Kuwait, the film wasn't granted a release certificate. In other countries, um, Disney just refused to comply with the cuts requested by censors. Mm -hmm. That's because of the transgender character in the movie. Which here's the thing. I am so excited about West Side Story. The premiere took place last night here in Los Angeles. I friends who have gotten screeners to the movie I have told like have said how incredible this film is. Oh, really? And so I'm very, very excited. Also Glad did some really cool work on this, um, on this movie. So I'm happy that, you know, Disney is is standing two feet, you know, strong and being like if we're not doing the if you're not we're not taking stuff out. Like you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. You know? They did that with Marvel. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm happy they're doing it with all their films across the board, it seems like. Yeah, um, keeping to their word, that's for sure. Now let's move on to Instagram. The CEO, Mazzari, says he believes Instagram and the internet can actually be a positive force in young people's lives, despite what a lot of us think. 
I firmly believe that Instagram and that the internet more broadly can be a positive force in young people's lives. I'm inspired every day by teens on Instagram, and I'm proud that our platform is a place where they can spend time with the people that they care about, where they can start incredible movements, where they can find new interests, where they can even turn a passion into a business. Well, girl, what else was he going to say? He's the CEO of his, this company. Of course he's going to say that he's inspired and he thinks that the internet can be a positive force. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> aspirational. We all think that until it uh, impacts all of our mental health yeah. and anxiety, including for young people. And actually 11 states have sued Meta for possibly ignoring internal research suggesting Instagram was harmful to young people. I do so, agree, though. I do think there are some moments about the internet where it is positive, but it oh, seems yeah. like they're just trying to ignore all of the research and what the data is saying. And you can't do that by having this toxic positivity mind frame. Talk about the negative, handle the negative, and let's move forward so we can focus focus on the positive. Or I'll say it feels just like your friend that isn't listening to reality that's in mm -hmm. denial, that's for sure. Now, uh, a Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 booster shot appears to provide strong protection against the Omicron variant, while the initial two-dose vaccine may be insufficient to prevent infection. The company announced that today. As someone uh, who took the Pfizer-BioNTech booster shot, the second shot I got in April, I will tell you, I got covid and it was rough. You know, I wasn't hospitalized, thankfully. But yes, there's a reason you get the booster. Have and, you got your booster? Um, definitely. No, I, had, I hadn't gotten my booster. I don't think oh, I would have had this bad yeah. reaction to COVID if I had because the antibodies obviously were not as high at this point. Oh, yeah. We got to get you that booster so you don't have any more breakthrough cases. Yes, I do not want to experience this again. <laughs> So what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. Today's tea report is all about Jesse Smollett and jurors in the Jesse trial Smollett, uh, the Jesse Smollett trial <laughs> began deliberating Wednesday over whether he staged a race hate attack on himself and then lied to cops about being the victim. Yeah, um, I feel like everyone knows about this case, unfortunately, and I feel like everyone wants it to go away. Well, his fate rests in the hands of a 12 person jury who heard about a week of testimony including from the actor himself. Now, you're wondering, what is going to happen to Jesse? What, what's the possibility of what could happen to Jesse once the jury decides something? He has been already charged with six felony counts of disorderly conduct, and if convicted, he faces up to three years in jail. Now, mm, wow. his lawyers have suggested that the brothers were motivated to attack uh, Jesse Smollett and accused him of staging the hoax for a number of reasons, uh, including that they were homophobic and wanted to scare the actor into accepting pricing security services. My only thing is, I'm super confused by even the homophobic part, just because, mm. well, maybe they could have internalized homophobia, but there's just been a lot of news coming out about Jesse kind of having a sexual, you know, and drug-induced relationship with one of them. They were going to sex bathhouses and all that stuff. You know, just gay folks being gay. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so, who knows? We'll see what the jury has to say and what they deliberate on. But that is your T-Report. We'll keep you updated as more info comes out. Now, All coming right. up, well, yes. we got a lot more show. My bad, I almost forgot that we got a lot more show coming up. <laughs> we do. What's going on? Girl, are you ready for your biggest raise in more than a decade? I don't know. We'll see. Is it possible? We'll, we'll talk about it coming up next. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, have our prayers been answered? Because according to new research, next year, companies are planning to give the biggest raises in more than a decade. Here joining us to break down what that really means is Aaron Gregg, corporate uh, accountability reporter from The Washington Post. What's up, Aaron? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on your show. Okay. Now, here's the thing. As companies struggle against a tight labor market and inflation, is this really true? Are we seeing companies prepare for these huge raises? So the re- the research that we cite in our story is basically a survey of HR executives. They went around and asked these HR executives, what are you planning to do with your salary budgets next year? And basically they found that they're planning a 39 percent wage increase. I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but on an average, it, it is quite a lot, actually. Um, it's the biggest increase uh, since 2008, as you said. And it's really kind of driven by two things. The first is uh, inflation, as you said. It, it's really, uh, it's not enough for a lot of people to get a, a couple percentage points uh, when the prices are going up more than 5%. Uh, And the other thing that's happening is a lot of people are quitting their jobs to go find better ones. And that is putting a lot of pressure on employers to really do better for their employees. Totally. But isn't this a long time coming, you know, with inflation at around 6.2, 3.9, while that is a bigger number than ever before, isn't it just because it's trying to catch up because there was never any change at all? That's right. But the other thing that's happening is you've got, uh, really the strongest leverage for employees that you've had in a very long time. Um, we're at a moment where there's a labor shortage in so many different parts of the economy, including some that you really wouldn't expect. Like a lot of blue collar positions, a lot of uh, hospitality and, and restaurant jobs, for example, there's a big labor shortage right now. Uh, what that's doing is that uh, it's forcing bosses to think a little bit harder about where they can find the money to give people raises or, or people that always had the money to finally do it. Um, and I think the bigger question is, is it going to be enough? Um, you see fast food restaurants making a big show of increasing their wage to $15 an hour, um, which, you know, 10 years ago, that would have looked like just a huge, huge thing. But, but these days, I, I think even, you know, I, I think even if a job at a fast food restaurant, people ask, is $15 even going to be enough? I mean, yeah, because we're seeing so much conversation about the raise of minimum wage. And I wonder, are these raises a part of this? Because that's really what it is. People are asking just for livable wages and no one's getting it. That's right. I think a lot of people are realizing that uh, they've had these demands on the table for a very, very long time. And their employer just hasn't even been meeting them halfway or even a quarter of 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 the way. And so what employees are are doing lately is they're packing up, they're moving on. And uh, that's having a pretty serious effect on our economy right now in terms of what employers think is acceptable. Yeah. So with that said, do you think the best way to get a a real raise is just to jump jobs or stay where you're at? (laughs) (laughs) That is a good question. I think the numbers show very clearly that the best way to get a raise right now is to leave unless you have an employer who just loves you and is just really going to give you the biggest raise they can. Uh, In most cases, even when you look at the numbers, uh, 
wages for for jobs uh, job seekers and and people who uh, recently left a job compared to those who stay in a job, which which used to be what corporate America would reward you for back in you know in the fifties. That was kind of the the American dream was to work for one company your whole career and have this perfect job security. Um, in the millennial job market, it's the opposite. The way to get a big raise is to job hop. You have people that make a lot of money by basically right. working for an employer for two years and then moving on. But Aaron, isn't, I guess, if every company's kind of going through this, aren't people just going to constantly be just jumping jobs? Because even if they go to this new job with the, the higher you know pay, they're still going to want higher pay. And if that job doesn't give it to them, they're just jumping, <laughs> jumping around at this point. There is no stability there, really. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a real, potentially a real problem. I think that employers clearly see it as a problem because they have some of the highest turnover they've had in a long time. And I, I think that the employees, I mean, I mean, we don't want our job hop either, either, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it looks I think bad. People, people think, look at that, and like, why are you not consistent? Yeah, it's also not yeah. Fun and to I guess start. if anybody ever asks you, well, why did you why did you change jobs three times in the past? Five years, um, I guess the answer is well, uh, nobody was doing their job on the on the raise front. Right. Um, I think yeah. that's just a reality these days. It's the best way to get a raise is to get a new job. Wow! Oh my god. Okay. So, do you think this is going to stop here? The three point nine percent for a few years. So I think it's probably going to go a little bit higher. Um, the reason being is that. The unionized raises are, are they work a little differently. If you're not unionized, uh, it, it's a pretty simple one-off transaction between you and your boss. What is the what is the amount at the end of the year? Unions are very different. They have these long negotiations that sometimes devolve into strikes, and it can be this whole big delayed thing. Yeah. So I think you're going to see all the unionized raises come in next year, and that's going to push it even higher. Um, also people seem to think that inflation is not going to go away. It's going to stay. It might even get worse. Oh, please. So all, all the factors that are pushing these raises higher right now, um, the question is not, is it going to go away? The question is, how much how much higher are, are these inflation numbers going to go? Yeah. And, um, you know, by extension, how higher are the raises going to go? Well, Aaron, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you here for that com- this conversation. Thank you, guys. That was Aaron Gregg, corporate accountability reporter at The Washington Post. Honey, we got more show to get into because the coronavirus is impacting us all, but one generation in particular is experiencing it in ways that it could impact them forever. Find out more coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even 
podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, I think we can all say that the pandemic has impacted us, uh, has impacted us. But according to a new poll, Gen Zers are feeling the most stressed by, honey, the coronavirus. How could this af- affect their futures? Well, we have someone who was a part of the research, Dr. Amelia Burke Garcia, Program Area Director in the Public Health Department at NRC at the University of Chicago. What a mouthful! Hello, Dr. Amelia. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so thankful to be here today. No, we have a lot to get into because this was actually really interesting. Since you are part of this um, research, can you break down your findings here? Yeah, sure. So just to give a little bit of context to your listeners, this study was uh, designed and fielded in partnership um, between AP NORC Center at NORC at the University of Chicago and uh, MTV Entertainment Group. And it was um, fielded between September 1st and the 19th of this year. Um, And we really wanted to look at the experiences of uh, Gen Zers compared to millennials and Gen Xers in terms of their mental health and their emotional well-being during the pandemic. Um, We talked with nearly 2,700 Gen Zers and just to define the age group for, for Gen Z, uh, we define those as 13 to 24 year olds. Uh, we talked to approximately 700 millennials, um, ages 25 to 40, and about 400 Gen Xers, ages 41 to 56. So, doctor, oh, okay. um, we've seen previous studies on how COVID impacts Gen Z's loneliness and anxiety. What was new here? Yeah, so I think the findings from the study are pretty remarkable, and they really signal some um, real challenges that uh, Gen Zers are facing right now. And in particular, what we saw was that more than 80% of Gen Zers are reporting some level of stress um, at some time during the pandemic. So that's a majority of that age group that's um, feeling stress during this time. And just a couple of other notable findings, I think, um, that your listeners might be interested in. 49% reported negative impacts on their mental health overall, and 46% uh, reported negative impacts on their ability to be happy. We also saw um, about 46% of them reporting negative impacts on their uh, educational attainment, and more than 40% uh, reported negative impacts on their ability to maintain relationships and have uh, romantic relationships. So I think what we're seeing here is that they're really struggling in terms of their social connectedness, their relationships with people, um, wow. their concerns about the future, and their educational attainment and possibly falling behind. And we know from the data that that's something that's really meaningful to them. 
and overall just that they're really struggling to be happy and in terms of their mental health and emotional emotional well-being right now. So let's talk about what, how can we change this? What are some resources that need to be like either applied in the education systems? Are there things already happening? Because this feels like if we don't get on top of this, then we could see a long line of just mental health issues moving forward in the future. Yeah. So, you know, I think these data follow on a number of kind of key other data that have been released um, recently that we've seen around the crisis happening in children's mental health. Just a couple of weeks ago, actually, there was a joint statement put out by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Association of Children and Adolescent Psychiatry and Children's National uh, Children's Hospital Association. And they really acknowledge that there is a crisis happening and that much more has to be done to support these kids. This study didn't look at, you know, possible solutions, but I certainly think it brings to the forefront and it raises awareness that more supports and services are needed. And in order to figure out exactly what we need to do, I think more work, more research, talking to these kids, um, being there for them and figuring out what the right method of service delivery is for them is really critical um, in terms of how we move forward from here. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Amelia Burke Garcia. We really appreciate you being here to break all this down. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Yes, you too. We hope to have you back soon. Now, coming up, honey, we got, of course, more. What happened when the CEO decided to fire his employees via Zoom? How rude. Uh, that's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, imagine if you were an employee who got laid off on Zoom. I mean, this just happened to 900 employees uh, that worked for a company called Better.com. They're they're an online mortgage lender, and the CEO Mm -hmm. is getting dragged, honey. Here is what he, he said in that little video on Zoom to them. If you're on this call... You are part of the unlucky group being laid off. Your employment here is terminated effective immediately. What in the hell is that? What you I mean, mean all right, so here's group? the thing. So he- <laughs> So here's the thing. Yeah, it's pretty direct. I mean, how else are you supposed to do a mass firing now this day and age? Of course, you're going to do it on Zoom. The way he did it, though, in what he said or what he didn't say is, I think, part of the problem. Like, he didn't express any gratitude. He didn't express any remorse, like, for what was happening. I mean, he did mention that I had to do this once before and I cried. Mm. And, you know, now I need to do it again. But it is, this is one of those situations, like, that I feel like there is, is there a manual around how to do something like this? I don't really think so, but I there mean, is a better way. Possibly. I do think there is a better way of doing this. I think honestly, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I would have taken a letter. <laughs> I would have. I would have taken like I know, a phone I call. Like, like I would have. Yeah. I think this is one of those moments where you don't just gather everyone up like they're a herd of cows on a yes. farm and then just you know get rid of them in that way. You like you call them individually. Yes, it's going to take time, but the fact that it just seems like this it 
he took a, a easy way and a lazy way out because I wonder in a Zoom call, you can see also who else is in the Zoom call. So my thing is, am I seeing that, oh, my girl is also in this and the, the embarrassment that's attached to that and it just feels, it just feels really gross and I know that at least from this same company, according to Insider, when they first reported this, they said at least three top executives also have resigned from this company because there was all these mass terminations that were posted on TikTok and YouTube that's happened yeah. here at this same company. There is most definitely a better way here. And I don't know if leaders need to take another leadership one-on-one class, but girl, I'm over it. I mean, it seems like they need to go to TikTok to learn because this is where <laughs> all this stuff ends up. And I mean, people then tell folks wh- what to do and how to do it better. I mean, that's the thing. If, if you don't ha- have the money, they're a big company. But if you say like, we need to do this effective immediately, a bunch of calls probably not going to work. Why but not? Why not? A bunch, you're, are you going to, how are you call 900 people? That is, There's not even not, as a leader, you have to, my thing is, especially in the midst of an ongoing pandemic, there's certain things that I think you have to pivot and do differently. This would have probably worked if we were like going through a normal life. We were a part of that old normal that we know of. But now I feel like leaders have to do different things and, and have to like kind of lead in a more of an impact, impact empathy led type of way. And so for me, I I would have enjoyed seeing this guy being like, yes, this is going to take me a while. And also it would have prolonged at least having some people not all fired at once. It could have given him more time to to say, hey, I'm so sorry that I have to do this, but you you got to go and, and just keep it going. But do it. Do it. Why not? Because he's keeping else, his bonus. He's keeping everything yeah. he's getting to do. What yeah, about he an just email? ended up on TikTok. Oh, producer what? Vanessa said this. What about an email and then you just BCC all the people that are getting fired? I feel so like that's, that's also considered that's insensitive and then people could pass yeah, that on. I, I mean, know. he was obviously trying to uh, avoid this being passed on to like the public, which it ended up like happening anyway. I think the only way not to do it or to do a phone call is well, like the only way to ensure that it won't he, get. He did apologize. He said he sent out later an email saying, I want to apologize for the way I handled the layoffs last week. I failed to show the appropriate amount of respect and appreciation for the individuals who were affected. Um, I own the decision to do the layoffs, but in communicating and communicating it, I blundered the execution and doing so I embarrassed you. This is what he he sent to the people who got to okay. keep their job. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I do think we have to be willing to do different things in, in non-traditional ways when it comes to the moment that we're living in, which is very non-traditional. He did take accountability. At least there's that. But th- that's a lesson for all of those folks trying to fire people. Woo! Hopefully it ain't us anytime soon. Anyway, let's uh, coming up. We got top of the hour headlines. Shira's gonna be breaking down everything you need to know and breaking news coming out of Shira's home, Canada. Yeah. Find out what. Don't go anywhere because we got all the details. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, we're back with another hour, and of course, the show yep. is not done. Shira is back. I'm, you know, I'm still like just kind of very excited that you're here, regardless if you're pushing the limits. I'm just happy that we're doing the show again together. I'm alive. I have oh, not passed out yet, so God. the show is doing well. You said, you said I'm alive. <laughs> 
I'm dead congested. Oh, God. For those who might not know, I've had COVID the past 10 days. I'm on the other side of it, though. Yes, So you this are. is, like, much better than it was, let me tell you. No, much better. And we got a lot coming up in the top of the hour headlines. But coming up this hour, we're talking about religion and the LGBTQ plus community because nearly half of LGBTQ fo- uh, folks identify as being religious. But for some reason, they are not included in religion reporting. So we're going to dive in on that and then, of course, talk about HBO Max's show, We're Here, and how this plays a part into the conversation. That and so much more coming up this hour. But first, let's get into top of the hour headlines. Yep, here's some what's trending this hour. Big news. My home country, Canada, officially banned conversion therapy practices after two previous failed attempts today. The bill passed unanimously in the House of Commons and the Senate. Canada joins a growing number of countries to ban conversion practices that do not include the U.S., of course. Ooh, the House of Commons. I didn't know that's what that was called. I guess I yeah. know nothing about the, the governmental structure of Canada. It's like a prime minister instead of a president. House of Commons is like their House of Representatives. Oh, dude, yeah. that, that is the House of Commons. Do they sit in like the fancy robes, of that the, the wigs? No, we don't know. We'll Google it. No, Maybe I'm pretty sure that thing. does not happen. I just always remember, you know, have you ever watched Princess Diaries? And, and yes. that's kind of what happens in Genovia, even though Genovia is not a real place. But I just think about that when people have like prime ministers and parliaments and all that stuff. Well, on that note, a big shout out to Canada <laughs> for doing the right thing. Yeah, shout out for Canada. You gave Shira COVID, but you banned conversion therapy. It's the, mo- the more important thing. <laughs> Now, Representative Ayanna Presley has introduced a resolution to remove Representative Lauren Boebert from committee assignments for Islamophobic comments. We have heard the hate and credible threats that have been directed at Rep. Omar and her staff. Words have consequences. We must acknowledge that and respond with action. We've introduced this resolution today to do just that and to send a powerful message to every Muslim and every marginalized person who has ever questioned their place in this country or in the halls of power. We see you. You belong, you are powerful, and you deserve a life free from fear and filled with dignity and love. How we respond in moments like these will have a lasting impact and history will remember us for it. Woo, she's so right. She's yeah, so that was right. Representative Presley talking about Representative Bobert again. Now, Bobert is also being called out for posting a holiday picture of her and her kids around the Christmas tree, all holding guns. Wait, she did that too? She, yeah, she was up? following the other guy. Yeah. Yo, yeah, they, these folks are crazy with their obsessions with guns. It's like, I get you can have it's your, weird. your Second Amendment right, whatever, but please, right? the obsession and- needs to stop. And these are like young kids. Like one of them looked, I don't, I'm not going to say what age I don't know, but pretty young. Yeah. It's awkward. And then she's like, all we're missing is the ammo. Oh my God. That's like their joke. It's just like, are y'all writing from the same playbook? Are y'all in one group chat just coming up with jokes that aren't that funny? These horrible meme jokes. And the anyway. tone deaf of it all. Like we just had a mass murder uh, shooting happen in the most deadliest one this year in just I, I yep. believe in recent history. And it's just like, what is going on here? It's ridiculous. Way to represent the people. Now, the Supreme Court is likely to rule that state programs providing money to parents for their children's high school tuition can't include schools offering religious education. The ruling further decreases the separation between church and state. 
Uh, so that happened today as well. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. So we got Wendy Williams. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And uh, Wendy, it's official, will not be back in her purple chair until at least February 2022. Um, according to a statement that came out, they announced on Wednesday the guest host will continue to appear in her place throughout January when the show returns from its uh, holiday hiatus. Now, it's unclear whether um, she will return in February to take over the rest of season 13. Um, And an insider exclusively told Page Six this, even if she did come back, she'd be a lame duck because her show isn't renewed beyond this season. Mm. I mean, that's intense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really sad. I think she's still kind of going through it and... The, the I think the guest hosts have been kind of you know killing it for her in in, on, in all these moments, but we will see. And just wishing her nothing but the best. That is your T report. And coming up, we got more show. Of course, there is a major gap when it comes to some LGBTQ plus reporting, and it's not exactly what you're expecting. That's coming up. Don't go anywhere. It's been up After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Most people would assume that the LGBTQ community weren't the most religious, you know, community. Well, that's not true, actually. Uh, Nearly half of LGBTQ plus adults identify as being religious. So why aren't there stories being included in religious reporting? Well, joining us for this conversation is Julia Metro, who is a health and culture writer whose work has appeared in, I mean, so many different publishers that we've covered here on the show and we really appreciate you for joining us well thank you so much for having me so let's talk about this because i am someone i i'm from the south i grew up very religious and i know your article talked about how a lot of queer you know people of color are more religious than non-people of color but talk about why we aren't really seeing us being included in religious reporting mm-hmm Well, I can say, first thing to start off, I think is, I don't know if your experience, but I think definitely think in some places, like the religious community is a community. Like the church that you're part of is definitely something that really outlines who your friends are growing up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that 
people aren't being represented for numerous reasons. One that one of the people I talked to for my piece, Sophie Hurwitz, who's from St. Louis, uh, said that there aren't really enough queer editors. And whether someone is openly queer or not, it's really up to them. But if you just look at a lot of religious publications, if you follow those editors on Twitter, a lot of them seem to be in heterosexual relationships. And so there really isn't a lot of representation within publications, which really needs to change. Also, a lot of people I spoke to for my piece happen to be freelancers. So they're not people in publications who can really make the change that we need to see in in religious publications. Yeah, I I felt it was interesting when you talked about this Jewish queer writer who was pitching Mm -hmm. her editor. And she said that, you know, they understood the nuances that uh, typically a cis hetero person or just a hetero person might not get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Sophie told me that they've had really good experiences working with this publication, New Voices magazine, because both editors that they worked with there happened to be queer as well. And so they really felt like that was a publication when they turned in their piece. They told me about an article they wrote, a profile and someone, I believe, who runs something related to soup. I forget the exact details, but when they were filing it, they knew that they could trust their editor to really Mm. come from a place of knowledge and understanding. Why was this something you were inspired to write right now? I think for numerous reasons, I had conversations with journalist friends from throughout the the country about whether or not they were open in their own communities. Um, I have a friend who is bisexual, who's Mormon, living in Utah, not near Salt Lake City. So they are only really comfortable writing about certain issues right now. But I guess really talking to a bunch of people inspired me to write this piece. And then I started doing research and as you mentioned, from UCLA School of Law's Williams Institute found that nearly half of LGBTQ adults identified as being religious, around 70% of Black queer people identified as being religious. So obviously there's a gap there. Well, here's the thing. I When you say that more publications need queer editors, I often think mm-hmm. of like, well, queer folks also have been traumatized by religion. And so even yeah. a queer editor can can navigate with the bias of saying, I don't want to really necessarily cover this through this lens because guess what? It's There's been so much trauma around it that we want to report it in a different way. And so how does that kind of play a part in, in this idea of, you know, vis- queer visibility when it comes to religion? I think it's very complicated. In the same sense, I think it's very complicated to approach religious communities. And it's like, hey, your community is really not being open. Um, I imagine that they're saying, for example, um, there's a great YouTuber called, who runs this uh, channel called Fundy Friday who talks about how a lot of evangelical churches, if they claim to be LGBTQ friendly, they'll be like, oh, um, well, I accept you, but God doesn't. And so there needs to be a lot of change and the change isn't going to happen overnight. And unfortunately, that like will require emotional burden on those editors. Yeah. But yeah, maybe the publications can pay queer editors a lot of money, like yes. something to Come on. really, um, yeah, that would probably help. Yeah. Now, I would encourage everyone listening to this to go check out uh, Julia's amazing article. It's on pointer.org. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation.
Thank you so much for having me. Now, speaking of religion, the hit show we're here on HBO Max is actually going through something where a pastor who dressed in drag is now experiencing so much backlash because guess what? It resulted in him being fired. We're diving in on that up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, if you're just now joining us, we just wrapped up a conversation about the importance of queer visibility in religious reporting. Um, And I think we had to have a conversation because of all the news surrounding We're Here on HBO Max. I don't know if anybody watches, but it's one of my favorite shows. It features uh, three top drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race, Bob the Drag Queen, Eureka O'Hara, Shangela, who have all been guests on Let's Go There. And I believe it. I know, right? And they go uh, to these small towns and they basically help folks who, I mean, you could either be queer, you could be a, a person who's connected to a queer person, but it really, they go to these small towns to bring a queer presence and to also help folks kind of navigate in their own personal journeys. And basically... There was a pastor. His name is Pastor Craig Duke. He was on the show because that episode was all about him really wanting to bridge the gap between queer folks and the church, right? And he yeah. he decided to dress up in drag, um, have his, you know, his his... Uh, he's a basically a god, a drag kid, and his drag mother um, basically, you know, dress him up in drag. Well, after the episode aired, he was fired for doing this, and there was this huge backlash, which upsets me because my thing with religion is. It's based off of all of these criterias of how to be just a basic, decent human being, right? You you know, you just, you know, respect people, love people, blah, blah, blah. But then when you have a pastor who is a leader of a church who is trying to bridge the gap between queer folks and religion, and they're doing it in this way, now there's all this backlash of people saying, oh, he shouldn't have done it, and he's getting fired from his job. And it's just, it's, it's really um, heartbreaking to see this. It's unfortunate. I mean, let me tell you, he looks good. I know, right? He looks very good. And it, yeah, it was it's crazy because he started getting like calls and messages once the episode aired. And the fact that someone who is actually doing his job yeah. and, and doing it well and tr- creating a safe space is yeah. now getting these re- repercussions for doing that, for doing actually what religion, as you mentioned, says, which is to be good to each other, to love each other, respect, accept each other. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. And yet, because people don't get what religion is in their own sense. Yeah. That's what happens. Well, the crazy thing is that the the important part of why he did this was he said it was in support of his daughter who identifies as pansexual. He wanted Mm. her to feel supported. And the fact that, guess what? Now the example of her dad doing something in in light of her and in, in honor of her he lost his job for it. It's just like, can we not put aside our biases and the disgusting things that we we may feel um, about people who are just living their lives and, and the fact that religion has basically feared, you know, made people feel this way out of fear-based things because if you believe this way, you're going to hell, et cetera, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. If we could put all that aside and just see that this was a father doing something beautiful for their daughter, this is a di- that's a different conversation. This, uh, this, this happens 
because he loves her. He wants her to know that, guess what? You can exist in this world, and I'm always going to support you. All these people who came to this drag show, we're going to support you. You can be you, and we'll support you all the way. And to see this happen to him, unfortunately, is it's just it's awful. But there is a GoFundMe campaign that has been started on behalf uh, for him, and it's already topped like $50,000 this week. And wow. so, I mean, when people when people get such national attention, they see this controversy. I will say the right people do come out and help when when he needs it, because he clearly needs the basics as he's looking for new work. Well, yeah. O'Hara, um, drag mother. Yes. As you mentioned, did share the GoFundMe on Twitter. So if you're looking to support as well, just go to Eureka's Twitter account to check it out. Oh, oh my gosh. I just I, I I've I've been. As someone who grew up very religious, I have done so much work within myself to separate myself from the um, the ideology that I grew up so entrenched in. And um, yeah. it's it's. I really hope one day that the world can really see things in a different way. But that's a whole other conversation for a you know whole what? other religious time. Religious right will will always be around whatever religion we're talking about. Unfortunately, yeah. but it is it's not good. Let's move on to something else, honey. Now that the yes. person in the relationship is here, we got to talk about when you disagree with your partner when they're unvaccinated and they want to be with like their unvaccinated family. What do you do around the holidays? Let's talk about it. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let me give y'all another reason why I just think that relationships are not for me because uh, according to this Dear Amy Post uh, advice column on the Washington Post, girl, someone uh, wrote in and said, my husband is punishing me because he can't see unvaccinated family for the holidays. Now, as the only uh, resident cis-hetero straight woman who has a, not a husband, but a boyfriend, if this happened to you, yeah, please, what would you do? So, yeah, I don't think it's right to punish someone, right? If you have a conversation about how you want to handle this, one, you could have different opinions, but at a certain point, you need to get on the same page and move on and respect mm-hmm. each other's thoughts on it. But to, like, make someone feel, you know, uh, or someone feeling bitter, resentful, and then doing something in reaction to their partner, one, you probably don't have a good relationship. That's very toxic behavior, by the way. Well, here's the thing. It, so she said that he, uh, my husband understands that we shouldn't celebrate the holidays with his unvaccinated family members, but he says that in turn, we shouldn't see my widowed 75-year-old mom, who like us, is fully vaccinated. Well, so yeah, that's ridiculous. He's like, if you can't see, if I can't see my family, you can't see yours. No, it's not an eye for an eye here. And if anything, you want to see your older elderly relative, including if they're safe. Listen, it don't matter. Her her mama could have been 24. If I want to see my mom, I'm going to see my damn mama. Well, man telling me I can't see my But it's about, you know, the unvaccinated versus vaccinated. A few things. Yes, make sure people are vaccinated, but also make sure people are negative. As I experienced, everyone was vaccinated. I did find out my aunt got vaccinated. There was one person that wasn't back that i mean yeah, if she's um, listening that to actually this, had covid we didn't know she did not want you telling her business <laughs> hopefully she <told. laughs> anyway so but like in the end what it made me realize is it's not just about the vaccine it's about a negative test yeah because of breakthrough cases so just make sure including for the holidays i mean the the stats are out that the u.s is averaging more than a hundred thousand new cases each day after thanksgiving holiday so just yeah, be 
I mean, whatever. Let us know if you're going through this. I would love to know all y'all's relationship drama. Tell us at LGT Show on social media. It's always a safe space. Now, coming up, we have top of the hour headlines, of course, honey. And guess what? There's a new Queer Eye in town. Get ready for the details coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, looky, looky, looky. looky. Is that, is that there's an, there's an echo? echo. Is it, is it me? Oh, it is. It me. is you. Wow. Oh my goodness. I do not. Is that what y'all have to hear every time us doing the show? This annoying voice. Ooh, I'm so sorry to Pretty put, much. You, put you through that trauma, guys. Welcome back to it. <laughs> to the fourth hour of. Is it the fourth hour? It's the 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern hour. Thank you for doing it. Jesus, that echo just really traumatized me. We're back here. We got so much coming up this hour, of course. And we have to let you know about the really sad story about Nick Cannon. He just lost his five-month-year-old. That's coming up in the T-Report. And then also, we got something coming up later this hour about debt collectors and how they can now reach you on social media. They're about to embarrass y'all on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebooks. So get ready for that. Let's, right now, though, get into top of the hour headlines. What's trending? Okay, let's get into it. Queer Eye, they are going international. That's right. Queer Eye Germany is going to be launching, and they announced the whole thing, um, introducing the new Fab Five in this picture that was released. There's no release dates yet. Um, of course, Queer Eye Brazil, Queer Eye Germany, those are the ones coming up, um, and more coming soon as well. So what do you think about this expansion of the Queer Eye universe? You know, I think it's really, really cool. Um, I, I think Queer Eye is such a staple in queer history. And to see this, it, it's just absolutely incredible. And the cast looks way different. I wonder, do they all yeah. identify as like cisgender? Because there's a, a couple of people in there where I'm like, huh, you, honey, you giving fish days. Um, but no, it, um, oh no, there is someone named Lenny. Bolt, uh, they are a work-life coach. They are part of the five, um, and they are she-they pronouns. So, oh my God, okay. I think this might be like the first Fab Five situation that has a she-they pronoun person there, which is absolutely iconic. Yeah, I think it's really cool, and it'll be interesting to see how this impacts culturally those other countries as well, because it did have such an impact here. Yeah. Now let's move on to some political nudes. Uh, news, no. not those Political other, nudes. not the other words. Who's releasing yes. nudes? Joe Biden? <laughs> <laughs> Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer hit back at anti-vaxxers in the Senate, comparing them to flat earthers. Some of the anti-vaxxers here in this chamber remind me of what happened 400 years ago when people were clinging to the fact that the sun revolved around the earth. They just didn't believe science. Or 300 years ago when they were sure, or 500 years ago when they were sure the earth was flat. It's just like that. The science is here. Yeah, imagine that. Well, Senate GOP planned to push an anti-vaccine proposal to overturn uh, POTUS's vaccine requirements for businesses right now. 
So that is happening. That was somewhat trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk about Nick Cannon. It's really, really sad news. Um, Nick Cannon, basically their fi- his five-month-year-old uh, son just died from brain cancer, and he's finally speaking out, of course. He uh, calls his mom, The you know, Zen was the was the son's name, which, wow, beautiful, right? Um, Alyssa Scott is the mother, and Nick Cannon called his late son's mom the strongest woman I've ever seen. He says, was emotional when she needed to be, but always the best mom. Oh, oh my goodness. He posted actually a video that where he talks about this, and he revealed this on his talk show that they lost Zen to brain cancer. If you do not know he had a talk show, yes, it's currently happening right now. And um, yeah, what a way to one, have a new talk show, and then to reveal this piece of like just life-changing yeah. news to everyone is just, it takes a lot of bravery and, and resilience and courage to do something like this. Yeah, I give him credit. I mean, I did... Out of everything, because I have been a bit disconnected because of being sick, I did watch that video on the YouTube channel. Oh, you did? Uh, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was very raw yeah. and unfiltered. There was no, like, teleprompter this, that. He was just explaining what happened. Yeah. Very emotional. Um, and then came back on air. I mean, after the weekend, his son dying, yeah. went back on air because it's like, okay, I could take time off this, that, but I got to do what I do yeah. and be with my family, Z- this the, this family, the TV family. Yeah, and Zen was uh, Kenneth's seventh child. Of course, he shares 10-year-old twins, Moroccan and Monroe with Mariah Carey, a four-year-old son with Golden, an 11-month-year-old daughter, powerful with uh, another woman, and then five-month-year-old twins, Zion and Zillion, with another lady. So yeah, I mean, it's just really, really sad that he's going through this, so we're sending so much love. That is your T-Report. Um, more information on that is on WeAreChannelQ.com, so you can check it out there now coming up though let's uh dive into what we're actually talking about here because watch out for those debt collectors because now they have figured out new ways to contact you they're about to get their money find out more because you do not want to be embarrassed coming up next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q now everybody has a debt but these debt collectors are getting smarter on how they can contact you and apparently they can now hit you up on social media but what are the rules well michelle singletary who writes the nationally syndicated personal finance column the color of money which appears on the washington post on wednesdays and sundays is right here to break everything down please help us oh it's my pleasure uh, to join you yes so as of November 30th, um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau adopted new rules that lay out how and when debt collectors can contact you. And one of the new ways is on your social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and they can also send you text messages and emails. Oh. Okay. So <laughs> they could just hit you up? Like, is it sliding into your DMs? Is it commenting? What does it look like? So they would send you a direct message. And so the rule specifically says they can't post anything on your page. So you can't open your page and say, yay. So, you know, Claudia, you owe us $200,000. You know what I mean? So you, they can't post anything that the public can view. They can send you a message. And when they send you that message, they have to uh, identify themselves. They have to be clear that they're a debt collection company trying to collect a debt from you. Okay, so how do they provide that proof? Like, what proof do you, uh, does a debt collector kind of have to provide to me that I, they that I owe something? Like, what does that look like? 
Well, so now they have to provide you with what they call a debt collection validation notice. And this is really important that you remember this. They've got to prove that you owe that debt, which means they've got to tell you who maybe was the original creditor, how much did you owe, when did you stop paying. There are all kinds of things that they need to provide because oftentimes the debt collectors are, you know, they're buying debt that's, you know, 10 years old, five years old. And the information about you know, the detailed information doesn't go along with that buy. So they might just have your name and your social security number and a few pieces of information. Um, and and it could very well be that you don't own that debt. In fact, many times, you know, both the unscrupulous and the scammers will tell you you owe debt and you actually don't owe it. Well, that's crazy. I appreciate that information because there are so many times that and not like I have debt collectors hitting me up, but when they have in the past um, and I literally don't know where it's from or when, like sometimes I do and I'm like, okay, this is legit. But like, that's my biggest worry is that you end up giving money to a fraud, fraudulent debt collector or paying for something that you didn't spend. That's exactly right. Because the original creditor may have went and, uh, you know, sold it off. And then this person collecting from you is like the third or fourth company that's picked up this debt for pennies on the dollar. And you don't know who's the original creditor. And oftentimes, you know, the debt and oftentimes you don't even owe the debt in terms of there's something called time bar debt. So every state says collectors can, you know, spend, you know, five years trying to collect debt from you, for example. But once that window closes, they can still try to get you to pay the debt, but they can't sue you for it. They can't take you to court. And so one of the things that this rule is prohibiting from them trying to go after time bar debt. So it's very important that you understand for your state how long is it mm-hmm. that creditors can come after you. Now, this isn't part of this whole effort to try to get people out of paying their debt. Of course, if you know you owe it and it's within a time limit, you should try to make out a payment arrangements. However, if it's time barred or it's dropped off your credit reports or you can't, they can't tell you where it came from, you are within your rights to say, you can't prove this debt is mine, so stop bothering me. Well, and that's another thing. I keep thinking about how we are still in this pandemic and so many people are going to are either affected by it or going to be affected by it. And so what really what does that look like in, in the sense of like them asking for, you know, resources or help to even pay that off? Is our companies being like, OK, well, if you are financially affected by this thing, maybe we can resolve it. Yeah, you know, that's a very good point because, you know, a lot of people are not trying to shirk their debts. They just, you know, they don't have the money. They've lost their jobs or maybe their spouse or partner lost their jobs. And so, you know, I think most people that I run to run into who have this, you know, have debt, they want to pay it. But there is a law that says, listen, you can't harass debtors. Yeah, they may owe you, but you can't do a whole bunch of stuff like harass them, call all hours of the night or day, you know, call their job. Ask their neighbors, you know, knock on the door and says, you know, Michelle owes me $300. Can you tell her to call me? They can't do things like yeah. that. And particularly with, you know, with the with COVID, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to find themselves in this situation. I will tell you this. If this, if someone is trying to collect it and it's a debt collector, like they bought the debt, you can actually negotiate with them. So let's say you owe $1,000 at some point. You didn't turn in one of those cable boxes or something, you know, with all the fees, it's $1,000. But if you've saved you know, $100 or $200, you can offer them to take just that. 
And oftentimes they will because they don't expect to collect this debt. So anything that they get from a cash offer is much better than someone saying, I'm going to pay you $20 for the next, you know, five years. Because that's probably not going to happen. So they're willing to take, you know, pennies on a dollar to settle that debt. Now, if you do that, get everything in writing. Don't send them any money until you get them writing the deal. Then you send, you know, a check or something that you can prove, make a copy of it, and you keep all of the paperwork forever Mm. because this debt often gets sold and resold, and sometimes the payments that you made don't follow the debt. So put it in a folder and keep it until eternity. All right. So back, finally, just back to social media, like how do you know if the people reaching out are legit? Are there anything, uh, anything people should be looking out for as it relates to? It's holiday yes. season. You know, the scammers are everywhere. Yeah, that's such a great question. So Consumer Action, which is a consumer advocacy group, recommends and suggests, and I completely agree with this, if you get a text message or an email or something in your social media, don't respond to it. Don't click on any links. But first, make sure it's a legitimate debt collection company. So you should independently research it and make sure it's legitimate. And then you can respond from the website, not the link. Because the scammers know this law is out there. Listen, and those cameras are pretty, you know, they're reading the post, they're reading the times, they know these things are coming. And they'll say something like, oh, there's a new rule, you know, I can reach out to you through your email. And you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to try to do the right thing. But you don't know if it's a scam or the real thing. So don't respond. Just a blanket, don't respond. Don't click on anything independently. They'll have in the message they have to say, this is who we are, this is where we're located, this is our telephone number. Take that information. Get out of the email or text messages, go online, make sure it's legitimate, call the company from online and not those messages. Oh, my God. Honestly, if y'all don't think y'all should not be reading The Color of Money on The Washington Post every Wednesday and Sunday, I I don't know what else you're going to do for yourself because, Michelle Singletary, you are amazing. Oh, well, thank you. No, seriously, we hope to have you back soon. We're going to keep this party going, though, because, Shira, I have not told you about the guy that I ended up not dating. I'm not dating anymore. Oh. And there's a lot to catch you up on, especially when it it comes to closure. And should we expect it for a bad situation? You know, does closure need to be in everything? That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, as relationships end, sometimes it's just what happens. But should you expect closure? Is closure something that everyone deserves? Shira, what are your thoughts on this? I think anytime you put the word expect on anything, it's a recipe for disaster. Oh, mic drop, Miss Sicky. That's all I have to say. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I am a person that I have been very honest and I feel like I'll, no one will ever let it go that, you know, I used to be a ghoster. Um, and mm-hmm. with come with ghosting, that means you don't, you don't give closure to some people. And I just ended up kind of like, um, I was dating a guy for, you know, a couple months and, <laughs> and, you know, it just ended up kind of, I, end, I kind of ended it for yeah. reasons that does not need to be spoken about. And he actually texted me on Thanksgiving um, saying, hey, I would love to clarify some things. And, you know, I I really respect how uh, I really respect you and and really just want the best for you and would love to talk. Blah, 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 blah. Well, 
I didn't respond because it's a done deal in my in my opinion. Once I've moved on, if I kind of already gave you the initial thoughts of re- the reason why I'm, I, I'm not into it anymore, then girl, we just got to kind of like, you know, that's just it. And so I don't think closure should be expected. Not everyone deserves it and not every situation d- like needs to have that rehashing moment of everything. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. At a certain point, the rehash gets old. Like there's no more to say. You've said what you need to say. And you're just being a dead horse. Nothing's going to change. Is the person expecting you to be like, oh yeah, like we're going to get back together and everything's going to be fine? No. Well, yeah. It's more about boundaries. It's like to establish boundaries. Sometimes in order to establish boundaries, it is bonding or communicating in a very simple fashion. Yeah. Hey, you know, we had that conversation. I, you know, I, I don't think we need it. I don't need, I don't want to talk anymore about it. You're establishing your boundaries. Yeah. I think that when you're on the other side of it, you know, unless you're going to drive yourself crazy, if you're always going to expect a certain response or closure with everything, there will be times you don't get the response you want around something. Right. Yeah. I know you'll make yourself crazy. Not to put your business out there, but I know you went through that. before. <laughs> I know you went through that before you met, uh, you know, your partner. That oh, you're with now. Yeah. And I, yeah. I remember us having those conversations where you were kind of unsatisfied or yeah. with it initially, but then you got, you got to realize and being like, Oh, that, thanks for that, though. Thanks for well, just cutting yeah. it off. No, no response is a response. Ooh, and, girl. you know, and and that's all Triggered. you need. That kind of it, like it is the closure. I mean, I think that in our heads, we each have what a closure means to us. But that's something different for each person. Right. And you can't yeah. expect that everyone's going to be in the same state um, to deliver what you need. Mm-hmm. What you need to start thinking about is what you need to, to move on and how you control that to get there. And the only way to do that is to focus on you. You can't focus or uh, control someone's response to you. That's the reality. No, that's so true. And I think for me, like, I I think that's one of the main reasons why I don't ghost anymore. And I just rather kind of just face the person saying like, hey, I just don't think I can do this. And we're not on the same page, blah, blah, blah. Because I know that that no response is a response. But when I tell you that stuff hurts when you don't get that response, it just, that, you just start yeah. to, you just feel like, you know, well, maybe it's me. You kind of can internalize it just based off of just your human. Your, that's just a human ability to do that. I think once again, that's just being mature because you're now choosing to do something differently because you don't want someone to treat you like that. Yeah. So you're instead you're communicating and you're setting your boundaries and like that is important communication versus just cutting someone off. Yeah. You know, isn't necessarily the healthiest way to do that either. You know what I will uh, ghost and cut off though? Uh, you know who I will ghost? I will ghost uh-huh. a friend who is toxic and does not deserve to be in my life anymore. Oh. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so we just talked about closure. And can should you expect it when it comes to relationships or just after a bad situation in general, which leads us to like talking about ghosting, but not mm-hmm. ghosting in the ways that you may think. Ghosting your friends. Is there ever a time where you feel like it's appropriate to ghost your friends? Shira Lazar, what do you think? I don't like ghosting in in general. I think it's a an excuse not to communicate, right? At a certain point, you need to set boundaries, but I'm not necessarily going to be the person just to go MIA on someone unless, yeah. All right, and then there's the extreme, unless they're like actually cray cray, 
But then even in that case, I might just say to them, please get help. I can't be here for you anymore in that way, right? I might communicate that. That might not be enough for that person. Um, and so at, at that point, if someone's just putting you on blast, right? Like just hitting you up on the phone and everything, you're not going to respond at a certain point. You could say that's ghosting, but there was one line you did say, which was like, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. So it's kind of up to them at that point if they, they're going to step away or unless you just block them. No, I totally agree. But I... I have to say, I think there is an appropriate time to sometimes have to ghost friends because there's moments where you can end up being in a really toxic relationship or friendship with people. And um, I've gone through a friendship breakup. And I think for me, that was really shocking on how those everything kind of played out and how I just kind of didn't hear from the person. Honestly, I think I was kind of ghosted as a friend. (laughs) And it did kind of bother me in some ways. But when I look back at it, I kind of am like happy that happened um, because it allowed me to uh, find myself, find the type of friendships that I deserve and the people that I want in my life. And I think if that never would have happened, I don't know if I would have kind of had this revelation um, or this realization of what I actually want in legitimate friendships. And I do think sometimes just cutting the cord cold turkey is the only option, especially if y'all have like some odd, weird, codependent relationship. That can be very interesting. Yeah, there is definitely a time and place. I mean, I've definitely had some cray cray people in my life. And at a certain point I had to, I didn't necessarily cut them off, but I, I just had to be like, I can't necessarily help. Or if they're like incessantly texting me, I just stop responding. Maybe I respond a few days later. Right. Um, I, I, but I feel like my other friends that have, like, if I've definitely kind of, we've gone or had our friendship go by the wayside. Um, it happened in a bit more natural way. Yeah. I don't think there was ever a feeling of like someone ghosting someone. Yeah. It was more just like, you're not being invited out anymore. You're not talking to them as much. The writing's on the wall. Well, and that's another thing. As an adult, as you kind of like, people go through like, adulting is hard. Like when yep. people are in the, the swing of their lives and just got work, bills, and all these things, sometimes relationships do fall to the wayside if you're not putting effort or energy into it. And I think that's a clear sign that maybe it was just time and that person was just, you know, there for a chapter and there for the moment that they were there for. And so I think it, when you're an adult, ghosting friends can be looked at a little differently because sometimes life just happens and I think life will gradually kick folks the hell out. Exactly. You said it. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, let us know what your thoughts are at LGT Show Everywhere on social media. We love it when you guys get involved in the conversation. It's so, so good. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, it is time for our Yes Queen. Okay, Shira, go ahead and give us a sick one. Yes, queen. Ooh, the husky, the sexiness. Yes. Well, honestly, the sex will kind of continue because let me introduce you to Cameron B., our best. Cameron Bess is the child of a venture um, uh, capitalist and tech executive, Lane Bess. But guess what? They're going to become the first out pansexual person to go into space this Saturday. Wow, if I was looking for a sugar daddy, I think I just found one. (laughs) Just days after Pansexual Pride Day, which is literally today, um, he found out that he is going on the Blue Origin's third flight into space. That's really cool. Um... 
Mm-hmm. He basically talked about how he grew up launching model rockets when he was a kid. And, and when he was offered this opportunity to fulfill that dream, he decided he wanted to bring along one of those rockets. So in, in simple terms, he talks about his dad and all that beautiful stuff. And if you don't know, Blue Origin is a company started by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. And it offers tourists a chance to go into space. Their first launch was this past June. Honestly, Shira, would you do this if you had the opportunity? I mean, it seems like this new thing that is going to be a consistent thing that people are doing because now even Michael Strahan's going. Mm-hmm. If I was offered a chance, I feel like I would go. I would it too. feels really scary, but I feel like why not? I mean, that would be cool. We should try to get it. Ryan, would, let's go after it. No, honestly, I would love to do it. I would. I think let's go there needs to go on space and 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 just get to see the the world and see what happens. I don't know. It's very very exciting. Shout out though, yes, Queen, to them for just really. I don't know. Breaking history is this what we're calling it nowadays? Because this is a, historic. There's a first for everything. Hell. Exactly. <laughs> Well, honey, if you miss anything on this show today, uh, head over to Let's Go There, our podcast, because guess what? We have our shows are turned into a podcast right after it, right on the Odyssey app or anywhere that you get your podcast, because everything you missed is there. And of course, today we talked all about religion and the LGBTQ plus community, and we have most definitely talked about that on other shows. So go down the rabbit hole. Check it out. Tomorrow... We're talking about LGBTQ plus books being banned. We have an author joining us. And then, of course, up next is Loveline. And Dr. Chris is talking all about toxic behaviors. So that's it. You ready? We haven't done our clothes in so long. Kick it off. Yeah, we're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. We're back. Bye. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.